0: Welcome to Chat NDT with ASNT, a podcast from the American Society for Non Destructive Testing. I'm Debbie Siegler, the host of the podcast. Paul Holloway is president of Holloway NDT and in Engineering, Inc. He is a professional engineer and an NDT Level 3 in ultrasonic testing based in Ontario, Canada. He provides advanced ultrasonic field services, training, and consulting. Paul earned a Bachelor of Applied Science in Mechanical Engineering and holds a Master's Degree in Mechanical Engineering from the University of Waterloo in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. With 20 years of experience in ultrasonic testing, Paul holds numerous patents and trademarks, including the PA CAT technique and the ERVW block collaboration with PH Tool. He regularly publishes articles for industry journals and hosts a popular YouTube channel related to ultrasonic testing. Well, I want to welcome you, Paul, to Chat NDT with ASNT. How did you first become involved in NDT?
1: Well, I, uh, I think, uh, like a lot of people, we sort of trip backwards into NDT. And in my case, um, I was working at a, a company that made construction machinery. Actually, it was it was Volvo. And uh, the crash of uh, if you remember the tech crash of the early 2000s. Yes, it yeah, it uh, it caused a ripple effect. So it wasn't just people who had uh, stock in tech that lost a bunch of money. It was everybody, uh, and so municipalities that used to buy construction machinery uh, had invested in tech, so then they don't have any money, so then they can't buy road machinery, so me as a young engineer got laid off, and um, looking for a job, and of course, there's all sorts of unemployed engineers, and I happen to be at the grocery store with uh, my wife at the time, my girlfriend, and we're in the frozen foods food section, and I see a buddy from university, and uh, he says, I said, what are you doing? He says, ah, I'm back doing my master's degree. He's like, you should do it. I'm like, I'm not going to go back and do my master's degree. Come on, I barely made it out of undergrad. And he says, no, Paul, they're desperate. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Ross. So he says that they're desperate and they'll pay you. I'm like, They'll pay me to do a master's degree? He says, yeah, it's, it's called a research assistantship. And all right, you'll get enough food from, for pizza and beer and, and enough for your tuition. And then you could ride this out. So I thought, well, I had tried for months to get a job and I couldn't. Uh, so I went and talked to the, uh, the graduate secretary and she put me in touch with one of the professors who happened to be my um, one of my, my TAs from my second year in university. So I, I recognized him and he said, yeah, if you want to start, we're doing something with pipeline. We've got lasers and I, I never finished this thing. Uh, so if you want come in and, and uh, work on that and you start in January. And that was my introduction to NDT. It was the, the laser scanner actually uh, used a positioning system based on ultrasound. Uh, and that was it. That was two years. And then um, what happened was uh Acuren or CanSpec at the time bought the IP for it and uh, moved me and my then wife, uh, my now wife to Edmonton and I was in NDT and I did not know what those letters meant before I got into it.
0: Wow. It seems like everybody has this just like chance encounter story or they knew someone that knew someone. That's how they got into NDT. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tell me about your current like certification and training.
1: Sure. Uh, I've always been uh, interested in ultrasound. Um, I'm kind of a music buff, so uh, I always wanted to do something with sound waves. And um, I, I, I'm a UT level three, uh, CGSB UT level three, and a PCN phased array uh, level three. I uh, had my level two for a while, and I was, uh, I was really fascinated with with what you could do with ultrasound. Seeing through steel with sound to me seems like some sort of superpower. And then when uh I had the opportunity to try out some phased array stuff and then of course I fell in love with it because it's you're actually making pictures and not just uh you know points and spikes on an A scan.
0: I love that what uh your NDT superpower. Yeah. That's very cool. So you're an engineer and an NDT technician. How does one complement the other?
1: Oh, that's uh, yeah, they, a lot because uh, an understanding of of the basics of the physics of what's going on really gives uh, me an insight as to what we're doing with ultrasound. And I, I don't think, of course, you don't need to. You don't necessarily need that. It's just it helps. It really helps. Uh, and I think. I spend a lot of my time uh, training and mentoring, and I like to try to, uh, I like to have a grasp on the physics, and then uh, peel off some of the uncomplicated and unnecessary language, and sort of boil it down to basics so that uh, so that everyone can understand it. And I, I do that a lot for myself because I don't think I, I have to understand things in very simple terms. Like there's an old physics joke about like. Uh, let's you know they, they start these problems with let's assume the horse is a sphere right and they, they build these little physics problems out of very basic cubes and spheres and i i often think of that, that when i'm trying to explain things i try to boil it down to the basics and i think being an engineer helps because you have the grasp on the on the higher end physics and then you can kind of distill down and filter down to just the basics of what's required to understand what's going on
0: So you were in Edmonton working, and then what did you do after that?
1: Uh, So (laughs) I'm a victim of uh, bad timing. So (laughs) remember I got laid off at the tech crash? Yeah. So just a few years later, I got laid off again due to the oil crash. We completely lucked out when we moved to Edmonton. We moved there at the beginning of 2004, the oil boom had not happened four months. We bought a house in January 2004. By April 2004, the boom was on and the house prices were skyrocketing. So we lucked out completely, right? And we we rode that. And if we bailed out in 2007, um, it would have been fantastic. But uh, we didn't. I was enjoying my time at Edmonton. I was playing in a band. We had friends. Uh, I like Edmonton. Um, but what happened was the oil crash. So uh, again, as a I was, I was, my position at, at Acurum was more on the R and D side. I wasn't really billable. Um, So understandably there was some cuts to be made and and there was a number of us that had to, had to go. Uh, And I just happened to be contacted by uh, a headhunter, just perfect timing. He just said, I know you're from, well, I'm not really, I'm from Saskatchewan. I'm not from Ontario at all, but. Uh, he said he knew I was I had lived in Ontario. He says, how would you like to go back to Ontario? And I said, your timing is impeccable. How did you know? And he said, I can't tell you. <laughs> so I had, I had an interview with a small company outside of Toronto and uh, that was it. I moved uh, back to Ontario and I was the uh, inspection manager at a small NDT company in Brampton.
0: And at what point did you decide to start your own company?
1: Uh, well I was with that company for six years and uh, as it uh, and, and I left after after six years what what happened was um, I was I was really engaged on the ultrasound side I was the inspection manager so I was responsible for uh, when I started about half a dozen technicians by the time we were done uh, maybe 12 and uh, I was finding I wasn't a great manager but um, so I'm sure some of the some of the guys are listening right now, and they're probably nodding their heads and like, yeah, you were an awful manager. Uh, I think I was a nice guy, but I didn't deal with the stress of uh, the people issues very well. So I was constantly uh, disengaging myself from that and engaging myself on uh, uh, like non-personal tasks, uh, things like uh, programming and uh, doing the ultrasound, actually doing the field work. I loved. And it wasn't until i actually got a chance to go out and and uh, you know as as the manager work along with with the folks there that my stress level dialed down and i thought man i really like this so i decided that if i was going to make it on my own uh an engineering degree and a ut level two wasn't enough i needed a level three so i went and got the level three and then i bought an omni (laughs) scan i bought it i bought a used omni scan mx and a plane ticket to Houston and I flew down to lavender and Tim Armit taught me phase array and that was it.
0: And then you fell in love. Oh, <laughs> it's I was in,
1: I was in love before that. As soon as I as soon as I turned on a UT set, uh, it was it was the practical application of of physics and it it was the perfect example of the practical application of physics in the real world, because when you go to engineering school or maybe you're in mathematics or something, um, they they don't focus on the practical application. There's all these theories and there's, I mean, there's labs. Yes. But, but there's a lot of the stuff you're learning. Like why am I learning this at all? I'm never going to use this. And then when I got my hands on, on it, like an Epoch 600, or at the time it might have been an Epoch 3, I guess. <laughs> um, it all of a sudden, all these lights start to go off. I said wait a minute, wavelength, like period, frequency, microseconds, right? Reflections, and everything started to click, and I fell in love probably the moment I, I turned on a UT set.
0: What's a typical workday like for you now, now that you have your own company? how first of all let me back up how long have you owned your own company
1: uh this is gonna be year seven because uh, I, I think i started in uh 2015 spring of 2015 so this will be year seven um my typical days changed it, at the beginning um i i friends I, I didn't really have much of a business plan but i had friends that uh needed help so you know you get by with a little help from your friends the song lyric yeah that yeah. was yeah, I there's no way you can make it if if you don't have good contacts. I had great contacts, and they gave me look, they gave me work, and they kept me fed. Uh, so my my days used to be, uh, coveralls all the time, you know, coveralls and driving around in my my Honda <laughs> with a UC set in the back, and uh, and you know scrubbing welds. And now, uh, as I as I made more contacts, for things like consulting and Level 3 stuff. Um, I I started to go more that route. I'm probably 50-50 right now. I do a lot of work offshore, um, Canada East, and uh, I really enjoy that. A lot of phased array and uh, ultrasound. But I'd say half of my time is devoted to Level 3 consulting for ultrasound for clients uh, primarily all over Canada. And then I had to scratch that mechanical engineering itch because I started in design and I just can't stop. So I, I've been tinkering with, with, uh, I do, I design calibration blocks with PH tool. Uh, I work with gyra. Um, I work, uh, with, um, I have another company that I use, uh, to uh, sort of get that scratch that itch a little bit.
0: I know you are working on a number of research and development projects. Can you share with our listeners what you're working on and why?
1: Sure. One of them is called PACAT, which stands for, um, it's, a, it's a it's a phased array approach to inspection of contact point corrosion. So uh, basically, it used to call it CUPS, uh, which is a horrible term because corrosion under pipe supports, CUPS, CUPS, doesn't make any sense. The corrosion is not under the pipe supports, under the pipe. So I uh, prefer to call it touch point corrosion or contact point corrosion. Um, that one is uh, phased array set with two probes and uh, in pitch catch, and we sort of broadcast sound. Uh, we try to squeeze it underneath the uh, corrosion, and then using some math and some modeling, we're able to determine um, the amount of metal missing uh, create like a river bottom path, and the uh, the interesting thing about this technique is that uh, it doesn't involve any new hardware. So, uh, what I'm I'm a one man show. I can't when something new comes out. I look at it and I go, "Gosh, that's nice, but it's expensive, and I can't afford it." Meanwhile, I have a perfectly good uh, phased array kit. So, so do many other companies. So I I tried to come up with something, and we have uh, that works. With the equipment that you already have, to uh, do that sort of work, and I'm really lucky to be working with uh, both of the Ginzel brothers. The the Robert and Ed Ginzel here in Canada are, I will say that the godfathers of NDT in Canada, and both of them are probably <laughs> now going to tell me that I'm wrong, uh, but I'm really lucky to be working close with both of them, uh, and uh, they're a great resource.
0: What does the future hold for PA Can?
1: Well, we are rolling it out to uh, clients in uh, primarily the United States right now, and some in Europe. Uh, what the future holds is um, more exposure and uh, some some high profile client trials. Really, what it boils down to is you have to prove anything that you come up with has to be proven to uh, to a group. You can write a, I can write. I think we're on white paper number four right now. Uh, describing the technique and the and the uh, approach but you have to prove it to them and those high profile clients they've got pipe samples and they have tested other technologies on those and right now we are undergoing that with a number of major uh, high profile clients and once it becomes adopted by them I expect that the PACAT client base will increase it's a it's a uh like a subscription model, you, it, you're basically licensing the use of the algorithm. So the NDT company uses the stuff they have to acquire the data, and then they upload the data to a cloud server. And that cloud server and the algorithm, that is essentially PA cat.
0: What is TFMI?
1: TFMI is something I came up with uh, when I was bored one night <laughs> on a on a, <laughs> a night shift current job. Um, I cannot not work. It, it's it's aggravating. I I've, I feel jealous of people that can, given these eddy current jobs and there's oftentimes you've got, you've got 12 hour shift, but you're waiting four hours for the first tube to be pulled. So some people kick their feet up and fall asleep. That's fine. And some people watch Netflix. That's fine. Some people read a book. I got my nose in spreadsheets and it's a problem. And I wish I didn't uh, because <laughs> I would probably sleep better at night, but that was a, an idea uh, at Night shift on eddy Current, where I thought um, you've got I my my I run a test instrument and, uh, and and live TFM was engaged on that, and I thought I wonder what would happen if you can started to combine modes, and I knew that some other uh, companies um, not not portable field instrument companies, but other other uh, software packages were able to combine modes, but I wanted to try different ways to combine them so we started to do that and all of a sudden images started to pop and i did it all in photoshop at the beginning because there was i I couldn't really figure out a way to to get the data off in a a way i wanted it to and then i showed it to um to sonatest and it went from idea uh to uh fully realized concept on an instrument in less than a year and uh it basically just uses the, it uses the same uh, propagation modes, just in combination, mathematically combined to create a more comprehensive image of what you're looking at.
0: I've watched a few of your videos on YouTube. Can you share with our listeners the name of your channel and why you started it and what you've been doing with it? Sure.
1: Uh, The channel is just called Holloway NDT. If you just sort of pound that into the Google machine, you'll, you'll come up with it. Um, And it's, basically it's it right now it's all ultrasound based and it was an avenue for me to uh try to describe uh some of the things that that I know and try to uh, sort of deliver that to other people in a nice bite-sized chunks because all my videos I try to keep to five minutes ish or less um I find that if you if you say, oh, how do you take the headlight out of, a, out of a 93 Accord? And you type that into YouTube, you'll get this 28-minute video. <laughs> I don't have 28 minutes. So I took that approach with uh, my YouTube videos. I thought, okay, somebody wants to do a transfer correction, and they want it now, right? Short attention spans, just like me. So I thought, if you keep that little counter to five minutes or less, and you put lots of pictures then everybody's going to go, oh, OK, because that's the way I think I do them half for myself because I need to be able to explain things uh, thoroughly as a level three UT. Th- things like uh, echo to echo. Right. It, it's if, if I stand in front of you and wave my hands, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But if I have a, uh, an actual really nice diagram to explain why echo to echo works, then you can go, oh, OK. I see now so I, I do it for myself so that when I'm finished I go okay that's the way I'm going to explain it to people
0: I like that because I want just let's get down to like what I like is get rid of the superfluous and just tell me how to do something yeah yeah I don't want to watch 27 minutes and then it's like really you could strip away 24 minutes
1: so the funny thing about the videos is that they start at about 55 minutes i just did one uh, yesterday and it's a five it's a five minute video but i am so bad at it that it takes me an hour to tape it it takes me about about an hour or two to get my sort of my my diagram of talking points takes me an hour to tape it and then it takes me at least four hours to to mix it and there's always those moments where you're like three quarters of the way through the video and you're like, oh, you know what I need here? I need a beam tool drawing with like interpolated data data points that are superimposed over top of it. And then I want it to fade into something else. And it just goes on and on and on. And my wife probably wonders like, what are you doing? Like, None of this time is billable,
0: <laughs> like, yeah, but it's fun. What plans do you have for Holloway NDT for the future?
1: So Holloway NDT, uh, I think it's safe to say uh, Debbie, that I'm not going to grow this into an empire. I think lots of people think that if you start an NDT company, then you're going to you're going to hire a whole bunch of technicians and then an HR manager and get a big shop and some radiography trucks. Not going to happen. Um, I learned that in my last position that I'm not I'm not cut out to be a uh, like a multi-person manager. And that's not really my forte. Right. Um, I did hire a research analyst, um, so he's going to be joining me in May. And I'm really looking forward to that uh to help me with the research side a hollow DT, i expect is going to continue to be about a 50 50 mix of me with my sauna test instrument on a chest harness and coupling in one hand and a probe in the other and scrubbing welds and sizing cracks and the other half of it is going to be uh, pa cat research and then we've got another we've got multitude of other research projects in the tank, uh, some of them waiting for funding, some of them just waiting for my research analyst to start.
0: <laughs> what are you going to have the research analyst do?
1: Oh, the very first thing, Debbie, take a UT course. I, oh. I yeah, it's uh, Nolan, if you're listening, uh, he, knows, he, he knows this yeah. already. Uh, your first week may be uh, in, <laughs> in Hamilton at Cindy taking a UT course uh he's got uh he's got lots of hours from uh last summer he was uh it was my summer student last year so he's got lots of hours already and uh i would like to see him get his ut2 uh very quickly
0: so what has been your most interesting or unusual inspection
1: oh well uh there's a number of them come to mind i think everybody's got a, a story in ndt about something that either went wrong or went interesting uh one that stands out to me is a couple of years ago, I was on a pipeline uh, inspection job. They were at a gas compressor stations in northern British Columbia, Canada, and uh, just doing encoded phase array inspections on these new welds. And we noticed that on some of the pipe, particularly the larger pipe, the uh, ID root signal. So any of the UT folks that are listening right now, you know that the ID root signal is kind of home, home base, home plate. You kind of look for that. And then once you, once you find that, you're like, okay, I know exactly where I am. My, everything matches my scan plan. It's perfect. So on phased array, that sort of shows up as a little banana that just kind of hangs below the back wall. And that little banana was not there. That little banana was way farther down into the pipe. It made it look like the penetration on that weld was like there was a giant grape sort of hanging below in the ID of the pipe. Uh, that didn't make any sense so um, we started to uh, play with it a little bit and uh, determined that the material was anisotropic i did a video on it and it got very little traction so i probably bored everybody to tears but essentially the the pipe was what they call tmcp or thermo mechanically controlled process it's a way that they make the steel to give it better properties the side effect to us poor UT practitioners is that the velocity is no longer the same in every direction. It's an isotropic material. You just dial in uh, for for the American folks, uh, you know, 0.1280 inches per microsecond, and you pretty much bang on the velocity of uh, shear waves in steel. But that's not the case with anisotropic materials. It might be 1280 at 45 degrees and then 1400 at the high angles. So what happens is it makes your, your S-scan on your phased array image look like it's melting and kind of sagging off to the right-hand side. And we had them, they had a spare piece of steel, a big 42-inch pipe, just a end cut. They cut a piece out for me, uh, took it back, and I worked very hard with Mr. Ed Ginzel, and we did three research papers on it, and proposed uh, to industry in the first paper, it's there's a complete documented uh, algorithm, in not really algorithm, extremely simple math, on mm-hmm. how you can calibrate out anisotropy in materials. And I, I'm still waiting for one OEM manufacturer to, uh, to implement that so that the S-scan will then suddenly straighten back up again.
0: Wow, you're always like, doing something researching or figuring things out you have like a brilliant mind
1: it's it's hard not to and i like um i like working with uh with in in mentoring sort of the younger folk because uh (laughs) the younger folk (laughs) i'm not that old but i can still call them younger folk um (laughs) that uh because the questions that they ask are things that i would never have thought of and when they ask them like i'm always learning something from them right and uh and i hope that when they work with me, they don't leave the job and go, oh, thank God, Holloway's gone, right? I hope they leave and go, man, I think I learned something in this job, just like I did.
0: I think, I mean, that's, that's the mentor-mentee relationship. I think that, I mean, it, it, I think it would be so, I'm trying to think of the right word. So just helpful to, you know, to know that you, like you walked away from a day and you've learned something and then you can apply it for the future. Yeah. So what upcoming trends do you see in ultrasonic testing?
1: Well, uh, I think the days of uh, workmanship criteria, I hope, are coming to an end. And uh, let me put this into more layman terms—the terms I think in um, workmanship criteria for ultrasound means we rate welds uh, and the and the flaws or discontinuities in welds by playing this game called "How loud is that sound?" And if the sound is really loud, then it must be a big defect. And if it's a if it's a little little tiny sound, then it must not be very big. That is a, a technique that we've been using for decades and decades and decades. And I think with the advanced imaging techniques, I'm not speaking specifically of TFMI, I'm thinking more of TFM in general. Um, and some of the, the really interesting things we can do with, uh, say with um, full matrix capture and different uh, data uh, uh, imaging algorithms, I think we are going to be able to uh, image these, what we see in a weld so much better and so much more uh, automated. Uh, we'll have computer uh, AI uh, being able to you know, sort of recreate what the weld actually looks like uh, rather than just uh, strips of amplitudes on A scans. That's where I think it's going. I think um, phased array should be the, uh, the sort of status quo for weld inspection, and then we, we build on top of that with FMC.
0: Okay. So what would you tell a recent high school graduate about why they should enter the field of NDT?
1: That's a good question. Uh, well, I think, again, I'll go back to a point I made earlier, that NDT is the perfect uh, marriage of physics and practical application. I think that for for one, the the challenge in NDT is it's a physical challenge because there's lots of moving around and, and getting dirty and staying up late. So that appeals to some people. Uh, there's there's lots to appeal. It can it can uh, challenge your scientific mind, and I think there's there's lots of people who don't get into trades because they think that it's not scientific enough, or it's not enough uh, use of, of equations and math and, and all that stuff. The important stuff I learned in high school and went to university for. I'm like, you are going to use it. Uh, NDT is so vast that you can have, and you could be an NDT researcher uh, with with you know any of the techniques. You know, eddy current and ultrasound are just loaded with math problems uh, left to be solved. So I think it it should be appealing to uh, a high school graduate, regardless of whether they're, they're, um, you know, whether they they are pushing more towards the post-secondary or pushing more towards the trades, I think NDT kind of bridges both of those sides.
0: So now I know you're a musician, Um, Would you say that you are more Rush or more Triumph? (laughs) For for (laughs) listeners who don't know, Paula's from Canada and Rush and Triumph are bands from Canada and one is more popular and and longer lasting than the other. Would you agree?
1: I I would agree, Debbie, and anyone (laughs) who doesn't say Rush uh, is not coming to my birthday party. I I am wearing my Voivod t-shirt today voivod is a very long-standing Quebecer heavy metal band which i really really like that's another uh, another canadian icon um i'm definitely definitely more rush i i I cried a little bit when neil peart died just a you know just a little bit
0: who's your favorite band
1: who is my favorite band well uh i'm gonna have to say it's rush It, it they just put out so much quality material over 40 years. I have everything they've ever done. I have a giant picture on my wall that my wife hates. Um, And I even put a couple rush Easter eggs in some of my videos. And my buddy, Jeff Latia, was the only one to guess. So I already gave him a T-shirt for that.
0: (laughs) Oh, that means I'm going to have to go back and look. Is it? It
1: it is. It's in if if anybody's listening, it's in the video that has the eye chart.
0: Okay. So what are you doing with your music?
1: Uh, so I have a project called Skeptosphere, um, which, uh, I play, uh, rhythm guitars and keys. And I work with a, uh, I write music with a guy named Alex who was in a band when I lived in Edmonton. He was, uh, he's in Brazil, but when I was in Edmonton, he happened to live in Edmonton and we had a band. And, uh, then when I left Edmonton, we just kept in touch and he writes, I write, we're both busy with our work. So it takes a long time, but, uh, we uh, have a drummer uh, hired a drummer for the first four songs from California named Mark Zonder, who's just absolutely fantastic. He's a he's a heavy metal icon, and uh, really great to work with. And it, I mean, it's not really a big big secret. It, it does a little veer a little bit into Rush territory a little bit, but uh, <laughs> it's just a just a slow burn, right? Just a, a song every year, fourteen months, just to keep us keep us going
0: to scratch the creative itch.
1: Yeah, we uh, and I parked the band website on the back end of Holloway NDT. So if you go to Skeptosphere com, it will redirect to the, to a hidden page on Holloway NDT.
0: <laughs> um, do you? Are there any? Is there anything that you think I've missed in during our conversation?
1: NDT is just so. It's just so interesting. Every time I go to, it's just another crack, right? But you go to put the probe on the crack and it lights up in a different way and and. The people that are leaning over your shoulder, watching you do this, think that you're some kind of wizard. I and mean, all I did was turn the set on and, and load up my setup. It's just a crack. I'm just going to show you what the crack looks like. And they go, wow, look at that. We've never seen that before. It just makes you feel like you've got a superpower.
0: So what are, like in how do we explain to people the safety aspect? That I mean, basically what the NDT professionals are doing. I mean, aren't they saving the world? Aren't they saving people from...
1: Unfortunate
0: yeah. or unforeseen accidents. Can you sort of expand
1: on that? Sure. Our our job is risk mitigation. Some of the oil companies will will I've I've been in boardroom meetings where they put us the PowerPoint slide up. It's kind of funny. It says hey, our job is to keep the oil inside the pipe. Right. <laughs> and it's ha ha high risk. And but that's that's literally the pipeline integrity's job is to is like we're pumping, you know, dead dinosaur juice from Edmonton to you know, wherever somewhere far, far east, Sarnia or something. Um, you know, we don't want it leaking out in anyone's field. So it's our job as NDT techs to ensure that when we give them a reading, it's good, uh, whether it's a thickness reading or crack sizing. Uh, it's an extremely important job. We check things like there's folks in the, uh, at every airport. There are NDT folks checking with eddy current planes after flights, right? Every... I fly offshore in helicopters. Those things are tested with NDT. Those are critical, critical components. You can imagine that you don't want to have an accident over the ocean. Okay. Um, bridges, uh, you know, br- cracks in bridges. Um, you know, the, people just drive on bridges, fly on planes, and there's not it's not visual. What you've done because NDT is non-destructive testing, and, and in most cases, it's you can't even tell we were there if you don't put white contrast paint on it i can't tell if you did any mag particle on it it's literally an invisible job so uh the the safety aspect is incredibly important that's behind everything that we do and behind that stands the integrity of the person because the work is invisible there's no sign that you did or didn't do it you know if you're if your job is a carpenter to build a house the house isn't there you didn't do it but an ndt it's it's impossible to like you, you could you could go to a job, swipe a you know paint coupling all over a weld, scrub your probe and make UT sounds, and then walk away and say you did it. And to the bystander, it looks the same as somebody who's actually doing the job. So the integrity of the individual is absolutely paramount when it comes to NDT. We need we need good people who will stand behind their work uh, and who 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 you know, who really care and who are willing to deliver the bad news because a lot of the times our job is to tell people, I'm sorry, that weld's no good. You can't ship that. And that's a hard conversation to have. So you've got to have the constitution to be able to sort of take a deep breath and be able to deliver that in a political, politically correct enough way to get your message across and you know, not start a fight. It's it's hard to do.
0: Have you received pushback when you gave, um, when you told someone that they could not ship um, an item?
1: Absolutely. I absolutely have. I've had, uh, I've had the client get angry um, up in my face. I've had them call in their welding engineer. I've had them tell me that they're wrong or that I'm wrong and that's fine. I'm sure I've been wrong. I'm sure there's lots of people listening. They go, "Oh yeah, I remember when you were wrong," and that's fine. You know, we all we all strive to do better today than we did yesterday, and that in in that sentence is the admittance that yesterday was not my best. Right? Just by trying to do better, everything you've already done is no longer as good as what I should do today. Um, but there are clients who you just need to divorce yourself from. There, there are clients where you find something and they go, wow, thank you. We didn't know that was there. No one else had found that before. We ground into it. We found it. Yes, thank you. for Those are great clients. And there's other clients, and I know everybody's probably nodding, that you find something and they argue with you. They'll call in somebody else who doesn't find anything. And those are the clients you just divorce yourself from. You just say, thank you very much. Pay me for my time. I'm out of here because my job is to tell you if there's anything in that weld and whether it fails code and if you don't like the answer i didn't write the code i'm out of here
0: well paul it was great to talk to you thank you so much for joining me on chat ndt with asnt i really enjoyed this uh i think our listeners will too
1: thank you very much debbie
0: thank you for listening to chat ndt with asnt for more information about our organization, please visit our website at asnt.org. You can also connect with us on social media at asntinfo on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. ChatNDT with ASNT is copyrighted by the American Society for Non-Destructive Testing, ASNT creating a safer world.